and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated, and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can contact Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Today on our podcast, we are discussing New Year's resolutions, how to set goals, meet your goals, and spiritual practices that Christians can adopt in 2019. Thanks for listening. Let's get growing. All right. Well, it's a new year, 2019. So I just want to hear what you guys, first of all, think about resolutions, New Year's resolutions. And think about New Year's goals. Do you guys have any resolutions? What are they? Have you ever had a New Year's resolution that you've actually kept? So how I feel about New Year's resolutions, uh, I really feel as if they really don't work, to be honest. You start off great, and then two days pass by, and now you're not doing that thing that you said you were going to do anymore. Um or say you want to read the Bible in uh, 365 days. So you start to read the Bible, and then a week, two weeks go by, and you're doing well. And all of a sudden, you look up, and you haven't read your Bible in a month or a week. And uh, so you miss your reading for one day. One day turns into two days. Two days turns into three. Three into a week. And all of a sudden, you look up, and... A month is rolled past. Uh, but I do believe that there are small changes that we can make uh, to benefit ourselves and to benefit spiritually. Um, so as we uh, talk about this discussion, I'm anxious to hear what you guys have to say about this and your thoughts. So I think when it comes to resolutions and, and goal setting and stuff like that, I had I had an intern for a while, a co-worker that, that worked with me for a while, and he came up to me and said... I don't make New Year's resolutions because if you don't set goals, you'll never fail. And so I looked at him and I said, and if you don't set goals, you will never succeed. And, uh, but I think there are different personality types. And, and I think what we're going to get in the room today is different personality types and what works and what doesn't. And that's really probably the biggest part is does God want us to succeed in a variety of areas in our life? Absolutely. Um, how do we do that? We're going to probably find out today that you'll hear a personality type or a person type that matches up best with you that might allow you to move forward in your faith journey or your life journey in a better way by learning how to set goals that works with your personality. But uh, as we navigate this, we're going to see that I'm I'm all about the resolutions. I'm all about the goal setting. Whether it's goal setting, resolution setting, or, or just Tim is alluding to, he's saying take incremental steps forward. And he's the fear he had with resolution is you set this big marker on New Year's typically, and then you fail and then you give up. 
Well, I think the beauty of how God created the world, even designed the rotation of the planet, designed the revolution of the planet around, you know, the sun and things like that. Those are significant because it's a reset button. And so each day you wake up in the morning, it's, it's a reset button. It's a new day. It's a new opportunity to succeed. Typically we put all the weight on the new year, but that's the same thing. It's a reset button. A new month is a reset button. Every hour is a reset button. And uh, the beautiful thing about whether it's goal setting or just hopes to have a, a better life or a better movement in your spirituality is, is learning how to hit that reset button and starting anew, starting afresh. And that's why one of my favorite things to do at church is we start off with confession forgiveness. And that's exactly what that is, is we're saying, hey, I screwed up this past week. I'm going to hit the reset button and I'm going to reset my focus on God and reset my focus on what his will is for my life. And we know that God loves us. And if we follow his will and his way, we're promised joy. So we're going to experience life to the fullest when we do that. And so when it comes down to resolutions, I think we're going to hear different points of view, different ways to navigate those things. But I think we're all going to come to the same conclusion that, that God does allow us opportunities to hit the reset button and to move forward. Yeah, I think, well, I might fall in between you guys. So I'm going to be the great, the great mediator in this particular conversation. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions, but I would lie if I said I didn't have New Year's resolutions in my head that I'm like, okay, now that the New Year's here, you know, I'm going to get serious about this and this and this. What I didn't do this year is what lots of people do. And they're like, I have a New Year's resolution of losing 30 pounds. I have a New Year's resolution of some sort of result that they're looking at. I want to look good you know, in, in a bathing suit. I want to do this X, Y, and Z. And so they have some result that they're shooting for and they have their resolution based around that. And I think fewer people have resolutions based on the process. And so I'm a big process guy. And I think that um, in, investing in the process is better than investing in some dream, some result that we can have. Because I think if we do the process well, the result will come. And it may not come in the timetable that we think but it will come. So we tend to say, I want to lose 100 pounds in a year. And that's just like crazy difficult. That's super hard. But if we can say, I want to eat salads three times a week, that's a process step. I'm a K-State, Kansas State football fan, and they have a new coach, Coach Chris Kleiman, and his thing is win the dang day. Go 1-0 every day. And that's all you got to do is just win the day and the results will happen. So I'm a big process guy, and I think that resolving into those processes, I think that that's where positive change can happen in the long term is if we focus on the process. Yeah, sure. And that's, that's actually uh, what I was trying to allude to. Because when you set this huge goal, as you stated, say you want to lose 100 pounds, what you're setting yourself up for is failure. And you don't uh, take the steps towards the process that you actually have to do that. So say you go to a gym, you know, and you do go to the gym once a week and then what happens is you just end up losing interest so uh you'll come to resent yourself uh when you start to fail and when you see failure often and so as you set these giant goals for the new year you have to remember that there is a process to achieve those goals and to kind of uh, agree with what pastor ben said uh, you have to take small steps 
to achieve those goals and you have to reset and you have to be willing to reset. And as Pastor Eric said, you have to win the day. And so if you uh, do those things, then you'll be able to complete your goals. But it also doesn't give you that resentful attitude that you would have towards yourself or towards your goals. But Tim, you, you asked a question way early. Have you ever accomplished a goal, uh, accomplished a New Year's resolution? And so you seem to have a pretty healthy handle on how to get there. It's just you kind of need different terminology than us, or maybe you have a different mode of accomplishing that goal. So when it's come to New Year's resolutions specifically, I mean, how has that worked out for you or not worked out for you? Yeah, so I definitely, uh, I haven't made New Year's resolutions in years, but I was definitely the one who would make these huge, outrageous New Year's resolutions and would say, oh, I'm going to do this. You know, I was in college. I was going to raise my GPA from a 1.7 to a 4.0 in one semester, right? Um, And so just these outrageous um, resolutions, these outrageous goals that I knew weren't going to happen, overestimating what I can do in a short period of time and underestimating what I could do in over the long run. And so they just, uh, there's only a couple of new year's resolutions that have actually, that I've actually gotten to. And that's just because they were very small as I think back. And, uh, that's, and so that's one of the main reasons I have such a negative, uh, thought towards new year's resolutions is because they just haven't worked out for me. And I think I speak for the majority of people because if you ask the majority of people, realistically, your New Year's resolutions, how often do you complete them? Most people are going to say not very often. Uh, and I think I'm actually in the majority, which is nice for once. Um, and uh, so I feel like I'm speaking for most people, but they still make those outrageous goals. And again, they overestimate what they can do in a short time and underestimate what they can do over a long extended period of time. Yeah, I don't think I have ever met a new year's resolution. I, I have failed on resolutions and I've succeeded on resolutions. So I don't know if that puts me in the majority or minority in this scenario, but what I have learned from it is the times I have succeeded, even when they're really large scale ones is if they're big, I always had a baseline. And what I mean, for example, is one year I wanted to bench 300 pounds and I was really into lifting, but I was really into lifting already. And then I wanted to bench 300 pounds. I didn't say, I haven't lifted a weight in five years and now I'm going to bench 300 pounds sooner or later this year. I would have killed myself and I would have given up. Like you said, same thing is, is like, I'm going to run a marathon. Well, you don't run a marathon unless you have a baseline. You can't run a marathon unless you can run a mile. And, uh, so what I've seen is when I have succeeded, even in large goals, it's because I had a baseline already. If I was going to run a marathon. I had already run a 10 K scenarios like that. And, uh, you know, we do that spiritually too, is I haven't read the Bible all year. Now I'm going to read the whole Bible. That's, you don't have a baseline. So setting a little bit more attainable goal and with a realistic understanding of what is your baseline, we never really put that much thought into it. We probably should, but we tend to just throw out this big number because it sounds impressive because no one's, it's not going to sound impressive to write down on your sheet and put it in your house or put it out in your bathroom window. I wouldn't like to run a mile. Like you don't want someone to walk into your bathroom and see, oh, good for you. You're doing something my grandma can do. You know, that's a, but the reality is those are okay because once you reach them, all you have to do is set the next round of goals and then you have that baseline and then you can work your way up. And 
And so even the things that I have done that would seem impressive aren't really that impressive because it was just an incremental step up from where I was already at. And so, so like this year, I'm actually stepping back in to running again, but I had to temper it so I didn't despise it. So I would like to run a 5k, which is for most people, it's like, yeah, we run 5ks all the time. Like that's what people do. I don't understand why you'd ever want to do that, but I'm going to try it. But in order to get there, I'm literally running for a minute and walking for a minute, running for a minute, walking for a minute. And now this week I'm up to a minute and a half back and forth until I can get to the point where I'm just running straight through. But that's small. And I would be embarrassed if someone looked at that as a, you know, on my, on my window, on my mirror. Uh, so I think it's just for me though, realizing I can't put on their marathon and start from zero because I'm going to start trying to run. I'll see how far I can run. And the next day I'm going to see how far I can run. And one weekend I'm going to say, I hate this. So understand your baseline and then setting your goal off of that is incredibly helpful in general life. And I think we're going to see in a second, even more so in, in spiritual goals too. It's okay to get there. It's okay to set high goals, but it's also important to see your baseline and then work your way up towards whatever that is. Yeah, I think the biggest win whenever we do things like this kind of personal development, if it's athletics, health, uh, spiritual practices, anything like that, I think it's better to focus on habit forming rather than some big end goal. Uh, and I, because I think that the that there's power in habit. If you're going to go to the gym three times a week, even if you have a totally trash workout, if you go to the gym when you say you're going to go to the gym, that's a win. And even if you don't do great during that workout or it doesn't feel good, that's still a win because you're forming that habit and that makes it easier to do well the next time you go in. And specifically, uh, I think probably the most popular one that we've referenced a couple times is uh, is reading your Bible in a year. And that's a typical thing that people try to do and set goal, set a goal for themselves. And so when we and so I'll just use that as, a, as an example. But running is the same way, Ben. You mentioned that if you over if you overburden yourself, you despise what you're doing, rather than focusing on forming that habit and just winning the dang day and just doing it once when you're supposed to do it. Um, you actually don't despise it. You love it. You learn to love it and you learn to look forward to it. And it makes it easier to keep up with it and it makes it easier to do it the next time. And even if you miss a day, you just shake off the dust, get back up, jump back on that horse, pick up where you left off and just keep pressing forward and forming that habit. I think that's where that's where the power of resolutions and this new this newness, I think that's where their power comes in is in the habit itself of doing that thing regularly and jumping back up on that horse and then just going one and oh for the day and just getting it done every single day. So let's talk about um, spiritual habits for the new year. If we're going to be setting goals for ourselves or if we're going to be setting habits for ourselves, what are some habits that Christians, that our congregation can do? And let's think of like baseline practices, baseline habits for people who are completely unpracticed spiritually. Let's also think about people who are pretty moderately practiced. What are some things they can challenge themselves to do to grow? And then people who are maybe a little bit more advanced. 
and what they can be doing uh, in their practices. Too. So let's talk about those three levels of habit forming and what at each level people can do. So let's start with that that baseline. Someone's just reengaging with the church. They're just reengaging with their faith. They haven't read their Bible in several years, except maybe you know one or two verses here or there that they've seen on Facebook. Um, and they haven't really been praying much, maybe before some meals, maybe when they are in trouble or they really need something they've prayed. But people who are completely unpracticed, what can what are some baseline practices that people can focus on to improve their spiritual life and improve their connection with God in 2019? So, uh, Pastor Eric, in your sermon this past week, you referenced um, how we disciple others and how common folk disciple um, the world. And so uh, you said a lot of good things in that sermon. You said that a lot of times uh, the common folk will look to the leaders and say, why aren't you feeding the poor? Why aren't you going out and making disciples? Like that's your job. And so they deflect the call that Jesus has given to all Christians, not just leaders. And they just pass that on to us. And I think one of the things that you can start off if you have just reengaged with Christ is you can learn to be good at what you do. Um, so you can go in, so say you're a teacher, you can be the best teacher that there is. Uh, if you're an athlete, if you're a student athlete, you can try, you can work as hard as you can to be the best athlete on the field, be good at your vocation. Um, and so that's one of the things in FCA that they taught us. They said, you know, you might not be the most talented person on the field, but you need to be, you need to be the person that works the hardest. And when non-believers look at you and they look at your worth work ethic, they should be inspired by it. They should say, man, I can't believe how hard that person is working. This is something that I really struggled with because I'm it's just hard for me to, especially if I'm already decent at something, it's very easy for me to get complacent. And so um, I think taking that step towards discipling others, uh, just being good at whatever it is that you are, being a good parent, being a good daughter, being a good uh, teacher, being a good lawyer, um, and just doing the things that doing the things well that God has already called you to do. So I think that uh, when we think about spirituality, when we think about faith, I think it's it's incredibly holistic. That you're right, it it bleeds into our vocation. It bleeds into everything. I mean, your your health is intimately connected to your faith. If you're not physically well, it's it's incredibly difficult to go out there and do what God calls you to do, to be His hands and feet. It's incredibly difficult to to share the word if you are unhealthy. And so it's, it's connected to that. It's connected to your finances. It's very hard to be generous if you have $80,000 of credit card debt. You know, it's, it's all, it all hits together. If you haven't, if you're not well-versed in your studies of the Bible, it's very hard to have intelligent conversations with, with people. If you're not well-rested, if you're physically worn out, it's hard to have a smile on your face. It's hard for people to want to socialize with you. And there's all these layers that I think as you think about spirituality and and setting your goals that you could literally camp out in almost any area of your life and just simply ask the question, is this area healthy? 
If it's not healthy, it's going to be a detractor to your spirituality. It's going to be a detractor to our ultimate goal, which is what Tim was just alluding to, to share our faith, to do the things that we need to do. And so as I think about my personal life too, I think that's a lot of it is looking at every facet, every area and say, is this healthy? Am I physically healthy? Am I fiscally healthy? Is my, are my hours at work healthy? Is my family life, my interpersonal relationships healthy? And if the answer is no to any of those things, it's going to be a detraction to my faith. And, and of course, we always just look to Jesus and say, wow, how did, how did he do this? How did he navigate these things? And the one that I'm, I'm really working through this year is just the, the healthy component of, of the Sabbath for me personally. And so we see, we see that Jesus says when people attack him for healing on the Sabbath, he says, Sabbath is not, not for God, it's for man. It's not for God, it's for man. And right away when God is creating the earth, it says he took the last day, made it holy, he rested, called it the Sabbath. Well, he doesn't need rest. So he put that in place all the way from the beginning so that we have a healthy rhythm to life. And we see Jesus, it says he gets up every morning, goes away, and he spends some time alone with God. So right away we have some some implied things. He has a schedule that he's following. We have some implications too that he's not burning the midnight oil because he wouldn't be able to wake up in time to accomplish that goal. He is he is rested. He's taking care of himself and then he can pour his energy into people. And I think sometimes we we just burn the midnight oil. We burn the candle at both ends and then what happens is our personality shifts and changes, adapts. We're cranky, irritable, unpleasant to be around. And then someone comes up who needs some help. And because we were unable to schedule the Sabbath, and that's just one of many practices we could do, but then it actually, once again, detracts from our ability to really help people and serve people and and care for people. So that's, we can get into that a little bit more, but that was one of the things that I was thinking of personally, but there's a whole myriad of things in every area of your life that if there's unhealth, it will, it will push against the goals and hopes that God has for you and the potential that you have in Christ. If you, if, if someone's a new believer or if they're reconnecting with the faith for the first time, I think the practice and, and you didn't call it this Tim, but it's really taking an audit of your life and Ben, you guys both talked about this taking an audit of your life, figuring out those areas that you feel successful in, that you feel like are going well, that you feel like are manageable, and those areas that aren't. I think that's an important thing to do because I think that if we're honest with ourselves, if we do that audit, we'll usually find that it's almost none of the categories do we feel like we've actually have a handle on what's going on. And that'll spur us on to seek a better way. So I think that that's a good taking an honest assessment of where we are in life, of what we're doing, of the of the habits that we have, good and bad. I think that Sabbath is a, is a good one to highlight for a beginner or for a new Christian or for somebody who's disconnected from the church because when we think about Sabbath, we usually also think about church. So lots of most people have Sundays off, not everybody does. So we don't have Sundays off here in this room, the three of us. So our Sabbath is on Friday. That's when that's the day that we all have off. Um, and but for most people, that's the weekend, and generally that's Sunday. So if if you really 
if you take your Sunday or whatever day is your Sabbath, if you take that day and one of my personal hero, Eugene Peterson, he says the Sabbath is all about disconnecting. So you take that day and you don't look at your email. You don't field any phone calls. You don't respond to text messages. You don't do those kinds of things. You disconnect from the world. Um, and you disconnect from social media that that's the beginning of healthy Sabbathing, just taking your hands off of your work and letting go of your work and letting go of the stress that you have surrounding those things. Um, so I think that Sabbath is a really important practice and is actually a good entryway into healthiness because if you feel better, if you're more well-rested, then you're going to be more receptive to the Holy Spirit. You're just going to be able to receive the word of God better when you're well-rested. In fact, Martin Luther, he, he was joking, but he said, um, those who, who drink beer sleep well, those who sleep well don't sin, so therefore let us drink beer. Tongue-in-cheek, but saying that being well-rested and having good patterns of sleep, having good patterns of taking breaks that actually produces a better spiritual environment for you and actually makes you more receptive to the Holy Spirit. So that I would say that also includes going to church, making a commitment to be in church every weekend that you possibly can be. Um, if you're on vacation, go to a church. If you're in town, but it's but you have stuff going on on Sunday morning, you have sports or whatever with your kids, go on Saturday. So just really making a commitment to hearing from God and resting well on your Sabbath, I think is an important baseline that will actually make you more available to the Holy Spirit for some of those other practices. And that's a great practice, especially for the people who are either just reconnecting or connecting for the first time with Christ is going to church uh, and making that commitment because one church gives you uh, accountability. You get to hear from uh, from God. You get to hear from a person that God has um, put there, put in that position to preach the word. You get to hear uh, and sing and worship. And you just get to, and most importantly, you get to be in fellowship with other believers. And so as uh, for new believers, uh, it's extremely important to make that connection and to go to church uh, and just to be around the body of Christ. At uh, New Life, we do have, we call it our strategy, but really it's just practices that Christ implemented while he was doing ministry. We call it the row, the table, and the chair. And so as we work through maturity, those practices don't change. I think just how you engage in them adapts and matures. So we talk, what we're talking about here, when we talk about the Sabbath, is we're talking about personal rest. We're talking about personal restoration, but we're also talking about being intentional about when you're letting go and disconnecting from the things of this world, that you're replacing them with God. And so that's about that's what we do, right? We go, we hit the reset button with confession forgiveness, and then we just hear the truth come in through song, through the preaching, through the reading of the word, through the sacrament, and we just experience God, and we replace that junk that we're trying to kick out for a brief moment and fill it with something, something better. And that's the row and that's for everyone. But if I would say, Hey, I'm a, I only go Easter and Christmas. Haven't gone for a long time. Is that's your baseline. Once again, we talked about that. 
is I wouldn't set myself up for failure and say, I'm going to go every weekend. That'd be a nice goal. But if you're just a two time a year person, say, I'm going to go once a month and then get there and then twice a month. And then hopefully your, your on ongoing goal is I'm going to connect every weekend because I need to get refilled. But if I'm gone, I'll see, I'll go to a different church or if I'm gone, I'll catch up on the podcast and listen to the sermon or something of that nature to get refilled. And over the long haul, that is a spiritually edifying practice for your health, for your spiritual health. But beyond that, what we expect growing believers in our church context to do is to step into the other piece of strategy that Christ implemented while he walked the earth, which is the table and the chair. We talked about the chair already. That was his personal time to get away. He was rested. He got up early. He would spend some time alone with God. And so we have things in our modern day, like podcasts to listen to by ourselves, devotions to read, devotions to pull up on our phone, times of prayer, prayer apps, all these things to personally connect with God. And that hopefully should be a goal of a mature Christian to have those moments daily. And then beyond that, we have the table. It's our life group practice. And Jesus did that incredibly well with the disciples. He, and they followed his practice by meeting in large groups meeting in small groups and having personal time alone. And it transformed the culture. It transformed our world. And we still feel the repercussions of that. It's a, it's a really beautiful thing. So a mature believer should be following the practice of Christ. That's the goal to be a Christian means little Christ. It means become like Christ. That's the goal of a disciple. You should be in the row. That's for you. You should be in the table in a life group. That's for you. And you should be in the chair having personal time with God. That's for you. And if you can do those things, you're going to find those very simple practices over time, done for a long period of time, will create incredible health in your life.